0: This mostly cloudy with a
1: slight chance of showers and thunderstorms, high temperature 75 and 80
2: degrees. For most people around the world, weather forecasts are easily available, used to help decide what to wear, whether to go on a hike or a picnic, or simply whether to carry an umbrella. Many of us take for granted that understandable and accurate weather forecasts will be available at the end of news bulletins or delivered by our favourite radio station DJ, most smartphones display the weather on their home screens. But imagine you're a herder, living in the dry lands of Eastern Africa, having to trek for hundreds of kilometres in search for water and pasture for your animals, without access to a phone or even a radio, or perhaps a farmer whose only source of water was rainfall, but the rains never came. For these people, understanding changing weather patterns is a matter of life and death, because how they eat and how they earn money depends on whether or not it rains. I'm Diane Anjeru from BBC Media Action, and this is the first in a series of podcasts exploring how people in East Africa are living with climate change. In this episode, we talk to farmers and herders to learn how they understand weather patterns and predict what is ahead. My name is Daso Sisai. I live in Badasa, Marsabit. I am married and I have four children. I am 37 years old. The weather has changed. When I was a child, we used to have two rainy seasons, One in April, and one in September. But these days, seasons have changed. In April, instead of rains, there is severe drought and intense heat. Now when it's supposed to be cold, it's become colder than usual, until we don't know what seasons we are in anymore.
3: My
0: name is Lekimine Shadrach. I live in Samburu in a village known as Yare. I am 20 years old. I am a pastoralist, and my parents were also pastoralists. I take care of my family's livestock. Some are mine
3: because each child is
0: given livestock by their parents from when they are
3: young.
0: The weather has changed since I was a child. There used to be a lot of water and pasture. Now, when we go to the areas where there used to be water, we find that it dried out long time ago. Even places where animals used to go to for water have dried out.
3: There is less pasture. Livestock have reduced.
0: We used to look at birds to predict the weather. If a certain bird appears, or certain birds sing in a way, then we know the rains are coming. There are also some trees we look at. When you see them shedding their leaves, you know the rain is coming. We used to know the seasons when there would be heavy and short rains or light and long rains. But now things have changed. It can rain one day and not rain the
3: next. This is a new thing. We are
0: not used to the weather forecast
4: from the radio. So, we don't rely on it. My name is Jomo Lelempoko. I was born in 1963. My grandfather and my fathers were herders. And so am I. I live in Loibarenkare. I moved here in the year 2000 with my wife to find a better place to herd my animals. The traditional forecasters used to read the stars or listen to birds' sounds. That's how we would know it would rain. Even though we still rely on traditional forecasts, their predictions are not as accurate as they used to be long ago. We also get weather information from the radio, but we don't trust it because it's something we cannot see. We still trust our indigenous knowledge because the radio is something we started using the other day, so we don't pay too much attention to it.
2: For a long time, Farmers, fishermen and herders living in remote regions have mostly relied on their indigenous knowledge to predict the weather. They have also relied on traditional weather forecasters who use more unusual methods to predict the weather, like reading goat intestines or dust clouds from beating together the soles of their shoes. You see, they don't trust scientific forecasting because it's still new to them, and they don't understand it. So to win them over... Some scientists have had to embrace all sources of knowledge to encourage people to accept the scientific information they need to survive the impacts of climate change. We spoke to Rob Ali, who has been working with a local Met office in northern Kenya for almost 20 years to learn more about weather forecasting and how weather patterns have been changing.
3: There are people who are entrusted by the community and who are very good observers. They look at the, the intestines. And then they tell you there is going to be rain, short rain or long rain. There are others who are naturally, without even looking at the instant time, they are that ability. Like in our area, they say these are gifted people and they have it and they are still there. That's how I used to get the information. If the two can be intertwined, you will get information. But theirs is different from ours. The scientific one is the one that changes Hourly, But theirs is only, for those who look at the intestine, is the day they slaughter. But they don't slaughter every day. So the day they slaughter, that is the time they look at it and say, this is what is going to happen. Our meteorological department, the scientific one, is on an hourly basis. The wind now is almost calm right now. We are speaking to us. But it might change within five minutes. And this guy has done the observation. And in observation, he might say the wind is uh, 16 not. But in the next next observation you might wonder it goes to thirty. But them they do not know that all they know is this is what the intestines have told us. But for those who have been gifted, it's only one family that has that hereditary. And even among the sons who are born, it's only being, might be only one who the father blesses to continue doing it. It's like I don't know what cost is talking to them. But theirs is also like observation on a daily, especially when they are at home, they have been relying on the locals. But of late, since this uh, issue of climate change came, they have started saying it is better they rely on us. I came here to this station 1999. Those days when we were here, you see the temperature of Mars reaches 28 degrees. Expect rain. That is how it used to be. Okay, but since 2000. We have started feeling something different. The temperature could go to thirty, but we are not getting any rain. Number two, there is abnormal things that I have observed. The abnormal thing is this cold. The cold used to come only in July and ends early August, but this one started June. Up to now, and we are saying meteorological people are saying the cold will insist, and we are in. We have started July today, okay? But we started feeling it uh, late May. The cold. And they say it is going to continue up to September. That is one. High temperatures. okay? And then the winds are not the way it used to be. We only know winds are there. August used to be the most windy month. But of late, you will just hear things happening. Wind is just coming.
2: With weather patterns becoming more unpredictable it's become difficult for farmers who rely on traditional weather forecasting to plan when and what they will plant. Charles Natal is a farmer and herder from Upper Nile State in South Sudan, an area that regularly experiences flash floods followed by severe droughts. He tells us how these extreme weather events are affecting his crop and his family.
4: Yeah, for me, being a farmer here, found out there is some changes in climate, the, the flood, and also the delayment of the rain. Sometimes when uh, we, are re- we are ready to cultivate, then we found ourselves that rain is not on the time that it used to be long ago. It's affected, uh, especially in our farm here. For instance, if I start uh, preparing myself, especially in rainy season, that I have ready for, for cultivation, then I cultivate early before rain could come. Then the rain never comes. It affected uh, the, the crop that I uh, planted, so it will never grow.
2: From Kenya to South Sudan to Somalia, religion sometimes plays a role in preventing people from embracing new ideas, including scientific weather forecasting. Ahmed Ali is a director in the Department of Weather Forecasting in Puntland, Somalia. He has to contend with long-held belief systems in communicating weather, but he is still working hard to provide valuable insights to his community and offering specific recommendations beyond simple weather predictions. Communities are slowly starting to rely more on scientific forecasting.
1: Our office provides three jobs. The first is forecasting the rainy season with the NGOs we work with, such as Swalim, Faw, and Ikeback, who are in charge of weather forecasting in East Africa. Secondly, we disseminate the forecasting information to people by using mass media and social media. Thirdly, we warn pastoralists and farmers about the dangers of heavy rain and flooding to reduce the risks they might encounter. The traditional way Somali people used to forecast the weather was using the Nehru's calendar to count expected rainy season using stars. The Somali people are a majority Muslim community who believe that the weather and rain and droughts are controlled by Allah and they are Muslims with a strong faith who believe that whatever Allah has decreed is going to happen. Science itself is a developing field and climate change has altered every traditional way people used to rely on it because it has changed the patterns of the rainy season. It has brought about recurring droughts, increased flooding and brought more cyclones which used to be a rare occurrence and that has caused people to only rely on science. I think the only information about the weather forecasting is from the government institutions. Earlier, when we used to share information with the people, they thought it was just hearsay. But because the issues became reoccurring, they did not take it as lightly as before. They call us and ask for information. Then they usually believe and consider most of it. The message that we share with the people is a warning. And if that doesn't happen, it's good. But in case it does, they're prepared for it. Like moving to a safer location is not harmful, and if the warning comes true, you would be safe. And if it does not, you're still safe. So always be cautious. The majority of our community are nomads who put a lot of time into their farms. The production depends on rainwater. So we provide them with the rain distribution and places where it'll be more concentrated than other areas. After the forecasting, we collect what actually happened and how the rain was distributed in the country. We then share that information with them. In addition, we also warn them about emergencies such as floods and cyclones. For herders
2: and their families, Longer droughts mean having to walk longer distances in search for water as nearby water points dry out. Because of this, many herders have lost their livestock trekking across the dry lands looking for areas where they might find water or rainfall. Women are also forced to walk for long hours in the heat, only to bring back 20 litres of dirty water for drinking and cooking if they are lucky. For them, Forecasting can be the difference between whether they will be able to find water to drink or not. Iwaton Lokele Lokai, a herder from northern Kenya, describes how he has lost livestock in the drought.
4: I used
0: to have about 60 goats, but almost 55 have died now. I am only left with five. I used to let the goats go and graze in the forest, but in the evening when they return, there would be one missing. When I go looking for it, I would find that it's died from hunger. The same thing would happen every day until I was only left with fire. For us from the Trukana community, we used to look at goat's intestines to know when it would rain. Now things have changed. The country has changed. With the current ongoing drought, our lives are in God's hands. Only God.
2: There are definitely tensions between scientific and traditional weather forecasting. But we can't just do away with Indigenous knowledge. That would be throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Indigenous knowledge has been passed down from generations, and while it might not be useful in predicting seasons, it's accurate in the short term. When we see clear skies, we know that it's going to be a sunny day. Farmers and herders are able to predict the weather by looking at leaves, listening to birds and observing how animals migrate. Dr. Abubakar Sali from IGPAC, the IGED Climate Prediction and Application Center, whose headquarters are in Nairobi, explains why traditional methods, although good for the short term, will not on their own help people prepare and adapt to weather changes.
5: Indigenous knowledge that is, people who try to predict the season whether this season will be wet, suitable for agriculture and growing crops or not, and when the season will start. And then there is also a more knowledge, traditional knowledge, you can call it short-range forecast. So someone would look into the sky from the type of cloud or from the type of lightning and the direction of lightning, be able to decide whether it's going to rain in the next maybe 20 or 30 minutes or an hour or, or not. The indigenous knowledge for climate, I think it will suffer from climate change because it is based on ecological science. So they would look, for example, into the, the trees, the kind of flowers on the trees, the type of the wind buttons and all this. And those signs are very likely to be messed up by climate change. So predicting a season using indigenous knowledge will be hard in the coming future.
2: Dr. Linda Ogalo is a climate change adaptation specialist. She says that we must find a way to use all knowledge and believes that integration, collaboration, and information sharing are the way to go.
6: Uh, What my experience has been with Indigenous knowledge is that there's different levels to it. It's just like scientific knowledge. So in some areas, there are some um, communities like the Nganyu community, the Nganyu rainmakers, who have a whole scientific process on how they use flora and fauna to be able to predict weather and that has been very, very useful, especially for their communities. There's a traditional way in how communities were able to live in the land sustainably. There's room for beginning to see how scientists then bring their knowledge and bring it together with indigenous knowledge to be able to help local communities because you'll find even in our region people trust indigenous knowledge when it comes to weather prediction a lot more than they do the scientific knowledge. There's room for scientists and the indigenous technical forecasters to be able to sit together to be able to provide a localized climate-focused for the region, especially for a region where our biggest challenge is a lack of instrumentation.
2: Accurate, trusted weather forecasting that can be easily understood by listeners is a matter of life and death, especially for those whose access to food and water depends on understanding whether it will rain or not. Without being forewarned or prepared to anticipate weather changes, families are not going to be able to plan, and sometimes this means they lose everything. In our next episode, we will look at the impact that climate change has had on these communities and how they are struggling to adapt. This podcast was produced by BBC Media Action in collaboration with IGAD Climate Prediction and Application Centre with financial support from the European Union.